Raisin Man Arena. It's funny because there's all this stuff I w- it would be fun for me to talk about from this weekend, but then I was like, oh, I can't talk about my friends like openly on the on a podcast that they would listen to, you know? Yeah. Why not? Yes. So. What what part what part of the what part of your friendships? We're recording, by the way. Oh. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of, I kind of smoothed us in. <laughs> awesome. I mean, we can, we can, I can edit this out if you want. No, no, let's no. just do it. Let's do it. Ask your question. Why couldn't you talk about your friends over the weekend, Sam? Um, I just think there would be like funny dynamics to explain, or I would enjoy explaining. But then, it's not, it's not good to air those like publicly on a podcast. Sure, you know? sure. Well, if you want. You can air the ones that are about me and you. Yeah. They're um they're not about I don't I think the the fun ones I want to mull over are not about me and you. Hmm. Sorry. Sorry to come in with absolutely empty-handed, you know. Hmm. I'll talk no, about so my weekend, I. I guess. Please, please go, um, Sarah. I went on a long walk with with Alex and we were walking down um we were in like Sunset Park where like the Gowanus Expressway is. And um, first, we were just like, we were going to get like, a, I guess you can get takeout cocktails at restaurants. I hadn't done this before and didn't really know that this was possible, but this is happening during coronavirus, which is very cool. You can drink in the street. Um, and we got drinks at this just sort of like corny bar that had opened up in, in Sunset Park, even though there's like, there's a lot of shit going on there. There's a kind of a famous like red light district that's still there. There's like tons of porn shops. Um, and then there's a huge... Uh, detention center complex so we got our drinks and then i was like we should just walk over to where mcd is and just like stand outside it which is the metropolitan um detention center mdc uh and just do a, a two-person we'll do, protest do two person yeah i don't know i was just thinking about it and i was just like it's so eerie to just to know that it's so close and there's thousands of people that are inside there like i just can't wrap my mind around it so i don't there was no real point to going but we just did we walked over there and stood there for a little bit and then we walked um past like all of these RVs and all of these people who we found out are living under the Gowanus Expressway because there's public parking down there and if you just pull up an RV and move in no one really bothers you and it's like the cheapest way to live in New York if you have an RV um, and that's why the people live in them yeah. so that was interesting how many how many people were there um I don't know there's probably like a dozen RVs that we could see but then there's like more than one wow. person living in some of them so that was kind of strange and then we walked further down to like this thing called Industry City which is like have you heard of this it's like a series of warehouses that... yeah well we used to take we used to take a clowning class there really in Industry City it was mm-hmm. in like a warehouse yeah because one of the students had a wood shop there and he would like lend it to the teacher to do it for free um interesting because i guess it's like a really expensive spaces because it was like these abandoned warehouse basically that got turned into a complex of like why live and work and eat in different places when you can have it like all in one and it's just like it's insane luxury complex um with a scary east germany style like watchtower up at the center that you can climb up and look down over all of it um very am i wrong about this sam that that's where the class was no, I, you could be right. I never knew that was what Industry City was. I could be. I mean, it, the class is definitely in Sunset Park. I don't know if it was an Industry it's City. There's a bunch of art studios there. I don't know who could possibly afford to have an art studio in Industry City, but they have a bunch of them, so someone... Um, well, the student, the student did. I don't know how he afforded it, because I don't think he was like making money off of the wood... Or maybe he was. Yeah. Maybe he was. There's only one uh, industry city, and it's the uh, Jaws exhibition at Universal Studios <laughs> in uh, California. Man, you ever? I was talking to someone who. Oh, they were like. <laughs> didn't understand that joke at all. Like, oh, okay. Hold the phone. Who was I talking to? They were like, "Yeah, I got a nosebleed, and I was in the California waters, and a shark could have eaten me." I never think about sharks. Mm-mm. I've never once seriously thought a shark could eat me. Isn't it true that in like off of Argentina, like in Patagonia, that's where a lot of great white sharks are? No, Salmon, don't don't pretend don't bring Argentina facts to the podcast, okay? Yeah, I'll take sure. care of that. Yeah. I'll take I care would, of the Argentina fact. I'd happily be an expert on your culture, Felipe. <laughs> if you'd like. I would I would end you. What do I would people drop you from the top of a, a ladder? What do people like to eat in Argentina that they don't eat in America as much? Mm, they they eat a lot like of, a lot of meat, a lot of no! like barbecue. 
<laughs> my culture's been swiped. Swiped from my hands. Yeah. I don't know, meat. Spaghetti. They do like spaghetti. Sick. <laughs> Me <Yeah>. too. <laughs> spaghetti loving culture. I wish you guys I wish you guys could see the the, the animation that I put um, on our video. It's called the art of 3D animation and it's just early 3D animation, so it's just like these weird glossy looking sharks and glossy looking mannequins. Now there's a neon sign with a cat dropping a martini glass. Just early 3D animation. Felipe, I, over the weekend, I took that video of you playing with the Oculus mm. and I Fun. sent it to Will because it was very, it's a funny video. And what did and Will, Will say? Will said, he said, ah, Felipe's like in his prime. He's mm -hmm. playing a video game that you can't see, and he's explaining it to you. And that's how, <laughs> and that's wow. how he described uh, you at your, enjoying yourself the most. Yeah. And I was reminded of that just now as you were explaining the animations. It's, do, you, do you agree with that, Sarah? I agree with that, and it's funny because I also saw Will this weekend, and he told me that he really was moved by that video and that I should see it. Um, because you were so happy in it, and it, yeah. And it Wait, the video of me playing Oculus? The video of you playing yeah. Oculus. He said, you just seem so happy, just so fully self-realized, like, doing this, <laughs> this thing. Yeah. yeah, it's only when I'm able to fully check out of the real world <laughs> and go into the virtual realm. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was really, like, um, kind of paradigm shifting. It's remarkable how you just cover, you just, your eyes and your ears, and suddenly you feel as if you're somewhere totally different. But it's really just two of your senses. But you are, I don't know, it's, it's a simple thing to say, but it's really profound when you are transported somewhere else. And then you take them off and you're like where you were. Um, very cool shit. Many worlds exist. We played a game where there's, where robots come at you and you can like pull their heads off. And I was just thinking that, one cool thing that video games do is they make you feel really strong. If they're well made, they kind of augment your body. And that's what was happening. You didn't have to pull very hard to pull the robot's head off, but suddenly you had this strength and it was, you felt like really powerful. We, we also watched porn. Yeah, we watched porn on the Oculus. It, that was interesting for me because I felt like of the things that was, that I saw on the Oculus, like, the three or four video games I played and the porn video I watched. The porn video was reminded me most that I was like living in like a fake place. Like a, like it it was I encountered the technology and was most like um most reminded of the technology when it was like trying to recreate this like sexual experience in, in which there were actual real actors rather than like animated um robots and stuff. Hmm. Anyways, I'll say I'll say one thing about the porn, and then I just wanted to ask you if if about another thing, Sarah. But the in the porn, uh, with the, with the specific one we found, there was a woman, and she's just like you know, kind of on top of you, writing you, whatever. And Whoa. you look down, and it's filmed like presumably there's like a camera at the height of the uh, penis having actor's face, and. When you look down, you can see your legs and your penis. But the way that it was filmed, your legs and your penis are like way farther away from you than they should be. <laughs> like if you think about like your neck is like giraffe like, like your suddenly your your torso is like extremely long. And that was that was the giveaway. And it was kind of it was a funny part of it. Mm. <laughs> it was the most titillating part of the video. That's, what I That's funny. Do you think it would <laughs> would work for you guys to jerk off and watch oculus porn like at the the level that it exists right now or does it need further advancement sure no i could jerk off to almost <laughs> to many many things yeah yeah if i can jerk off to like just what's in my own mind then i think the oculus you're absolutely thing. right I think absolutely, but I what I wanted to kind of keep exploring, like one thing that I, I was left wanting to do that I'm certain you could do eventually is like have sex with Marge Simpson. Like mm. I want to do that or have sex with Lois <laughs> Griffin. Bunny or whatever, yeah. With Lola Bunny. Yes, it can happen. They can do it now. Oh, man. True. That's true. I can't believe they don't have it so you can have sex with Lois Griffin. I'm certain. I mean, well, we didn't even look that hard. I'm, I'm sure... <laughs> 
I got to hit up Thomas now, see if I can get the Oculus back. But <laughs> that's really that's really where the revolution, where the paradigm shift is going to yes. happen. I'd want to have sex with all my favorite political theorists. Yeah, what can Ooh. Oculus do that humanity yeah. cannot? <laughs> yeah, like a deep fake where you're having sex with uh, Noam Chomsky. Yeah. And Karl Marx is standing by, wow. ready to be tagged in. You can't, like, we joke, but you can do it. Yeah, I think I've told you this before, but I was watching this documentary about Jacques Derrida, Derrida, um, and they, someone asked him, they were like, you're like the Aristotle of your time. Uh, you are the greatest, like, living mind. If you were to see a documentary about someone like an Aristotle or a Socrates, like, what would you be most interested in learning about them? And he was like, what they fuck like and, <laughs> and who they have sex with. Um, being cheeky. Yeah, I thought that was funny. I hope it's true. I hope he wasn't just being cheeky. Um, was there, I think I interrupted you halfway through the, um, through the industry city thing. My industry city story. Yeah. Uh, no, I was just saying it just is a strange, New York city is a strange place to live in. The world's really bizarre. There's many things all in a row, very close together. This is all like within one mile. It wasn't that long of a walk. Um, just eerie. Yeah. It's true. It's a big city. I'm always, we drove through Queens. I like it. It's big, but it's big. Mm, it's think. a little big. It's a little bit too big. It's yeah. a little big. Yeah, big time. I um, I think that I'm I've 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 kept it at bay, but I think I'm uh panic attack adjacent, or I was this morning. And I think mm. part of it is I thought I was going to have a second hell's itch. What was the panic attack that you had almost had last week, or that you did have? Um, well, I've, I think I've identified that my panic attacks have to do with hypochondria or that's how they express mm -hmm. themselves. Like, I think I'm having a sickness. The very first time I had one, I thought I was having a stroke because I'd heard about Aubrey Plaza having a stroke. And when you have a panic attack, your numbs, your limbs go numb. At least that's one, um, symptom. And I thought that my left side was asleep. So I thought I was having a stroke and I freaked out. And then this past one, the... the that was an improv recent, rehearsal, right? That was at an improv rehearsal, yes. <laughs> and then... <laughs> it was funny. Well, before it happened, I was feeling like... What I, what I also guess is called like depersonalization, where you feel like you're sort of outside of your body, or you're like floating outside of your body. And an, one, th one symptom of that, too, I think, I, can't, I think it's called something like gigantism or something, where people's heads seem like either really big or really small. Um, and I was trying to explain this to my sister, like, it's not like they literally look big, but like proportions look weird. You feel like you're really far away or really close and people's heads looked like really big. And I was feeling really depersonalized. Mm -hmm. And then I had, had that the... symptom. That's interesting. I've I read about like... it. Huh? Go. I do get one where, um, I, I can feel like I'm getting a panic attack where like every time I like close and open my eyes, it's like one opening everything is normal and I close them again and the next opening it's like surreal bizarre really? universe I'm like something's not right something's not right and I close them again I'm like no it's fine like and it just like is it feels like tripping so to put it briefly or like being in a movie or something where you're just like suddenly it's like I'm watching um, a two-dimensional like video of my life around me and I'm not here anymore yeah very yeah weird. I mean I think I think that's what depersonalization is mm. But I never um, noticed the big heads thing. I want to get the big heads thing. I think that sounds kind of cool. The big heads thing <laughs> is a cool feature. It's a cool cheat code. You need to update your body and mind yeah. <laughs> to the next iOS. Get big heads. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, <laughs> this head. past one, what I convinced myself I had is because I've been seeing floaters, which I mentioned on, the, on an earlier episode. And I told the doctor when I was getting my COVID test and she said, oh, are you getting floaters with headache or dizziness? And I said, no. She was like, well, don't worry then. That's what you should be worried about. So now, every time I get a headache and dizziness, I like hi hyper-focus on it. And so that with my last panic attack, I was like feeling nauseous and a little also like depersonalized, like lightheaded. And then my hands started twitching. And these three things were just unrelated probably. Or, or maybe related in some, maybe it was just because like my body was getting ready to have a panic attack or something. But, mm. but I freaked out. And then, and I knew... I was having a panic attack and I said it to Sam. I said, I'm having a panic. But it, even though I knew it, it, I couldn't stop it. Like my heart was already like run away. Mm. And, um, but then I laid down and Sam helped me out and, uh, we called a friend of ours and, and everything wow. was fine. That and I was on the trip. 
No, this was not on the trip. No, this. that would have been a nightmare if I had a panic yeah. attack on the trip. <laughs> no, no. Um, this was like at that home, was... like three yeah. weeks ago. Well, that's cool that you got Sam involved. I always tell no one. And I continue to go sort of white knuckling through the rest of my night, acting no. like a little bit weird, and then tell everyone the next day uh, that, that that nice time that they thought that we had together, I was actually like a totally off planet and not present in any way and was, you know, having a terrible time. So your panic attacks are not intense enough that like you can't stand it? Um, sometimes, but most of the time they're low level enough that I'm like, I'm just gonna not look in anybody's eyes <laughs> and we'll get through this. Yeah. Uh, this will be my fourth beer, uh, fifth beer. <laughs> yeah, I had a panic attack, uh, or I, I took a clonopin, so I subverted it, but, um, like two weeks ago from just like, I don't know, my, my fear, I've told Felipe about this, I don't even know if this is like worth getting into because it's so like absurd but my way concern that um friendship is actually pointless and that relationships don't really enrich your life enough to uh give meaning to anything so <laughs> that's mine mine are about but whoa i i have a hard time understand i mean i guess yeah i don't understand where that comes from because you're someone who's actually the opposite i think friendship seems to be why. really important to you so that if it turned out it didn't matter at all you know that yeah. would really be oh you've hitched you've hitched your wagon to that, you know, you put all your eggs in the friendship basket. Exactly. It, the pain attack always manifests as the this opposite of what you believe in. Because, for instance, Felipe believes that all body parts should be exactly proportional <laughs> to the size of the people's bodies. <laughs> and once he starts seeing something that undermines that belief, he freaks out. Yeah, yeah, I've structured my whole life around the belief that I should be able to feel my hands at all times. <laughs> and whenever I can, um, <laughs> reality's turned upside down. Yeah, um, sorry, go on, Sarah. I had a panic attack once that I, that I called an ambulance. I went to the hospital because I thought I was having a heart attack. This was several years ago. And um, I was there, and as soon as I got in the ambulance, I was like, I'm not having a heart attack. I'm fine. I'm just wasting my parents' money. Um, and I got there, and the, the nurse, the doctor, whoever was talking to me was like, oh, why do you think you're having a heart attack? And I was like, because my left arm was numb, and like I couldn't feel like my jaw or something. And she was like, oh, that's actually the symptoms of um, a heart attack in men. That's not what it would even look like in a woman. And I was like, what would it look like in a woman? And she said, uh, a general feeling of uneasiness is actually the number one symptom. So... That none of that sounds wow. right. First of all, <laughs> yeah. I I guess I, it's news to me that there's different uh, symptoms depending on gender. But secondly, a general feeling of, feeling of uneasiness <laughs> is not something that would you would go to the hospital for. And also, um, it just is funny to me. I haven't written a, a good joke for it, uh, but like for to tell someone who has an anxiety disorder that the number one symptom for a heart attack is actually just having anxiety yeah. it's like the worst possible uh, <laughs> yeah psyop yeah yeah, yeah i might if, have been having a heart attack like, my whole life then <laughs> Exactly. If you spend like eight, nine hours a day on your computer animating and like listening to podcasts yeah. and stuff, yeah. you may have anxiety and need to go to the hospital right away. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Man. Well, I'm completely free of all these symptoms. Yeah, Sam's healthy. Yeah. Healthy of the mind, healthy of the body. I, I wake up, people's heads are huge, and I go, that's okay. <laughs> Today's just gonna be like that. I wake this up is and I, fine. I I think all my friendships are worthless, and I shouldn't have spent all that time investing them. And I go, fair enough, <laughs> fair enough. Gonna have some breakfast now. <laughs> Man, what I wouldn't give. What I wouldn't give. So Sarah, you just start suddenly thinking friendships don't matter, or does something like trigger that? Um, I don't know. It's not even um that I necessarily think consciously the friendships don't matter, but suddenly I find myself, it'll, it'll happen like this. I'll be on the phone with someone and we'll be like really sharing our feelings about something, like realizing like our dogs dying when we were kids meant more to us than we initially realized, so, like some kind of conversation. And You're um, vibing. Yeah, really vibing. And uh, we'll get to the end of the conversation. I'll kind of realize like, oh, that didn't really make me feel anything. That just felt like I just said different insights into my inner life without it being any kind of profound sense of communion on any level we just like dialed in kind of a genuine conversation but for what and so then i will get all in a sense of panic i will call another close friend to explain what just happened 
and I'll get on the phone with them and I'll, I'll tell them the story and I'll tell them how I'm feeling about it and they'll really hear me out and they'll be there for me and I'll get to the end of that call and I'll be like, that didn't make wow. me feel anything either. Um, wow. And then I, I really feel scared. So then I don't call a third person out of fear that it'll corroborate what just happened with the first two. So I once, I remember hearing a thing, a radio thing about people who lose their sense of smell and the woman who had experienced it she said that it felt like the color was drained from everything mm. um that everything mm. was like dead and sounds similar to what you're describing that's similar. yeah it's just sort of like you're still everything looks the same in a way or, or you're doing all the same actions but it's just not evoking the same emotional response that it normally would and so then you're like oh shit not only is it pointless now but what was it always in, in pointless and it, and it always will be too so i guess this is like i'm describing it like that oh, as a feeling of depression but it doesn't feel exactly like depression because i still enjoy my hobbies so hmm. i don't know hmm. <laughs> do, you, do you ever when you're on the phone with someone there are you ever like you're like yeah this isn't working <laughs> um, i'm not feeling anything i'm not it's getting like anything of- out of this yeah. The sense of color and everything is gone. No, no. <laughs> when I explain this problem to people, they'll always say, "Oh, do you are you feeling this with me like right now?" When I as you're explaining it to me, and I say, "No, no." <laughs> <laughs> well, good yeah. to know, Sarah, because I've asked you precisely that question, and that's precisely the answer you've given me. So this is a good insight into what was happening behind yeah. the scenes. What am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to say? Yes. No. Hey, I mean, yeah. if you're not feeling it, you're not feeling it. Yeah, you know, it's good to you know, lie sometimes. You can't tell people everything. You know, I don't totally agree with that, but uh, <laughs> but that's where we that's where we depart. Yeah, that's our separate um, uh, spheres. Are you guys excited for summer? Because guess what, it's almost July. Hell yeah! I mean, you know, I was feeling really good this uh, weekend. Sam and I did a undisclosed fun thing. <laughs> Or I guess we can disclose it. Whatever. It was nice. I was really happy. And I felt... Summer's here, baby. Oh, yeah. Time to suck and fuck. (laughs) Yeah. I... I think I've been living... Like, the prospect that that my entire summer is going to look exactly the way my spring look, except, like, hotter, um, is something I've been mulling over. but I think I'm okay with it. Mm. I'm not sure that's the case, though. I feel like we're going to go to the park. We're going to get, you know, socially distanced mm. food in the park. Yeah, I had go this to some thought, protests. I guess we're technically, we're not supposed to eat at the outdoor restaurants, right? No, uh-huh. sure. But I guess what's the difference between that and eating at a park? Yes, but I just wanted to clarify that we're not supposed to. Who's then, who's who's not who says it's not supposed we're not supposed, supposed to, to, to who? We're not supposed to. I don't know who's saying who, it. Who's supposing no, <laughs> no, no idea. No idea. We're people not supposed on, to. People, people on Twitter will be mad. Yeah. People on the internet don't aren't letting us. Yes. And so <laughs> not letting us. Before I realized that we weren't allowed to, I thought that we were allowed to. And um I was watching those just like uh, thousand different videos of like a protest going by people eating brunch and i just thought like fuck if i can make it all summer without being in a video where and, and one of those pictures yeah. i know i saw that picture and i was like fuck man like you know sometimes you go to protest sometimes you get sometimes lunch. you gotta eat lunch sometimes yeah, you get exactly. lunch and you end up in one of those pictures and then you're <laughs> yes. your lunch karen for the rest of your life <laughs> and you had been going to protest yes just taking a break yeah, exactly. And I think that's a funny joke, but then I was like, once I realized we're not allowed to eat at the restaurants, I was like, oh, well, we weren't, we weren't supposed to be there in the first place. So. Well, Cuomo says it's okay, so... You're, you're <laughs> like, you're just asking for a bathroom, like you're not even having lunch. <laughs> There's like a plate of uneaten food, like sitting near the table where you're standing. <laughs> Canceled for life. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, it's funny. There's been like this kind of counter... This kind of counter discourse that's like we should go easy on the people that are breaking uh, quarantine because uh, they are they aren't you know if you if you cut them do they not bleed you know <laughs> they're human just like you and I we are all human and we might you know even even the the make America great again people although those people have um, ideological reasons that they don't you know that they want to go outside and stuff mm. but at the end of the day. I don't know. Well, it's it's funny because I don't think of myself as like a like a lo- a lover of going to restaurants guy. Like if you had asked me like, 
oh like what's why would you love why do you like being in new york i'm like it's it's not that i like like to eat out a lot but then i was like if that's the the thing i can't do mostly then like what what was why does my life feel so deficient well and i guess it was you like you can't go to mics dude like, yeah i guess it was like performing and like seeing people like uh ad hoc at random at events um now everyone i see is planned and it dramatically limits the amount of people i actually spend up time talking to yeah i saw a tweet uh uh, that said something about, like, the United States is the only country that's not getting its coronavirus situation under control. All the other countries are, and we're going to be moving into living in just a world where we, coronavirus never goes away, and we enter a viral winter, a term which I didn't look up what that means. What does that I mean? Saw, I don't know what it means, but I thought, I bet this is Felipe's <laughs> entire Twitter. is just, like, tweets like this, and this is why he, like, lives so on, on the edge. Because I saw it, and I was just like, I'm not looking in further into what that, <laughs> what that implies. Let me, look, let me look up viral winter. Let's find out what that means. Let's let's face it head on because I think it will be fine. Uh, viral winter. You know, I'm I'm not finding like I'm not finding like the famous viral winter. I'm just getting links to things about the flu. So I'm starting to think mm -hmm. it's like kind of a commonplace thing. Viral thing winter. Earlier this morning saying how the U.S. doesn't get its shit together soon. We could enter a viral winter where the pandemic becomes a permanent state of being. So please, for the love of God, just wear your masks and stay home. This was tweeted by Androgynous Cobra, who's not someone I follow, and I don't know. And no one I follow follows them, so maybe right. you know. This is listen. like the state where it is. We're all getting our information from, like, Androgynous Cobra. <laughs> it's like, this is why we don't know why the restaurants are open or not, because, like, some, like, 23-year-old guy called, like, the Posting Menace or something like that. That we can't like, eat there. Yeah. Exactly. I know. <laughs> oh, fuck. Hey. If we gotta go through a viral winter, fuck it. Let's have fun. Let's go crazy during the viral winter, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. What totally. else can we do? Uh, we just gotta make sure that this we we start a, a um, Patreon for this podcast. We get 11, 13,000 subscribers, each paying $5 a month. And then we're, we could survive through any viral winter, you know? Yeah. Just have this be our main source of of income right we don't have to leave yeah we don't have to leave the house we can just we can just kind of freeform talk in we a kind of quiet way all, for days on end exactly <laughs> we leverage sarah's thirteen thousand friends <laughs> to get them all to be patreon subscribers yeah. sliding scale subscription it's the perfect plan who knows i don't know <laughs> i feel like i feel like i'm I feel like we're doing ourselves a disservice and I'm not, I didn't invent this. I, I, this was like a podcast I was hearing this morning, but I think we're doing ourselves a disservice by like, I don't know, sort of, I feel like we're experiencing the each peak in each valley rather than experiencing the kind of overall. And I'm not just talking about coronavirus, but I think that, you know, each, each panic is like really, really like, feels mm -hmm. really strong and each downturn feels really strong and then if you pull back you think like two months back and you're like you remember that thing that seemed like really important like i haven't the thought about it that uh see i don't even know what you're talking about on Iran that was like oh yeah, Suleimani. killed Suleimani. yeah you know and i, I know. thought that we were gonna have to go into another expanded war that we're already in um, i thought i was getting shipped to iran yeah so i don't know if that's an example we we're talking about but i think no, it's 100% an example. So it's like viral winter. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I will say, though, that with COVID, we kind of did the opposite thing, which was like, we were like, ah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And then it was the worst possible uh It was the worst scenario. Outcome. Yeah, essentially that it could be. Um, something interesting, I think, is that like people are that I know are starting to go on like social distant, responsible uh Tinder dates and stuff like they're like back on apps doing stuff and not even just to say that they're, they're fucking like they're just back to like dating and uh, I just can't really imagine like meeting someone right now through an app and like going on a date with them like walking around like what we would talk about something about it I'm just like what's the vibe on that like that just seems really absurd to me not just because you get COVID but because you have nothing to talk about you have nothing to talk about everything's fucking weird life is like 
totally made up. I wake up every morning. There's nothing I ever need to do. Uh, yeah. I talk about my friend's podcast, the podcast mm. I created with my friends, <laughs> <laughs> and all the different ailments that they mm. air on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, I think it's. I only date my friends of my friends, so my whole dating situation is kind of furloughed also because I can only see my friends now. I can't see their friends. I don't know who their friends are that I don't know already. It's true that people are going are going on dates more. Yeah. Starting to think. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going out. on a Tinder date on Thursday. What are you going to do? We're going to go to the park, I think, and drink and talk, I imagine. Kind of want to know who yeah. it is, but I guess I... I'll ask after. Her name's Victoria. <gasps> okay, I'll let it that out. I'm gonna write down this time code. I'm gonna write down this time code. I'm gonna look up Victoria. I'm gonna block her. I'm gonna dox her. I'm gonna dox Victoria. Yeah. And I have a bunch of exciting things I'm excited to talk about, you know, like where I'm from, who my friends how are. How many siblings? Exactly. How many how long I've lived Four? in New York? Four. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. If we I had four siblings, they told me they had four siblings. I'd be like, wait. This includes half siblings. That. I have a step sibling, I guess. Sure, mm. but three, three full ones. Um. So you wouldn't go on a date, Sarah? I wouldn't go on a, a Tinder date, but I wouldn't normally anyway. But now, especially, it just like kind of blows my mind that people are doing that. Just. Seems weird. I don't know. I guess maybe I'm being silly because like you always just talk about books you're reading or TV shows you watch or whatever. But well, it sounds like uh, kind of uh, the pandemic has been hard on your feeling of connection. Yeah, it has been. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess uh, I would imagine that it's been hard on. Um, there's, hmm. yeah, I don't, I don't really know what to say about that. Yeah, it has been hard. Uh, when there's nothing else that's sort of going on writ large in your life and all of your focus is on um, your friends and how much you love them, that's sort of a, it's a weird situation to be in. And just like talking to people and having intimate conversations, like every conversation I have essentially is like a one-on-one, -on -one, two-hour-long phone call about how everyone feels about how everything is going. Um, and that's just like a strange social emotional world to be living in without any mm. sort of respite of just like fucking around really um it's too much S sarah do you when you're talk doing these like one-on-ones and stuff that you have like over and over again do you develop like strategies for responding to people's like anxieties like do you see like an overall pattern and then you say a thing with someone and it works and then you find yourself like saying that thing over and over again to other people like Oh, don't worry about this thing or no, I found um, the, the one thing I've noticed that's changed about myself in like the last few years is that I realized that I can actually be much harsher with people than I would have thought. Um, and that mm. I probably learned like even earlier we were talking about uh, before we started recording the podcast about uh, sexual assault in high school. And I was saying how uh, I wasn't um, I didn't hook up with anyone in high school. I didn't really have any meaningful sexual experiences with other people. Um, but that it's interesting to hear all this because people who are like coming forward and saying that they were sexually assaulted were people who I was so jealous of um, because people sexualized them and like they were popular for that and I wanted that. Um, and Felipe was like, oh, well, what do you think that means or why do you feel that way? And it just kind of annoyed me as you probably could tell that you asked that question even though it was extremely genuine. And I was just like, you tell me what I mean. What do you think I fucking mean? Um, Maybe four years ago, I would have thought, no, you should be nicer to your friends when you talk to them when they're asking you things like that. Now I've realized, no, you can just sometimes be like that. <laughs> like, if you're annoyed, you can act annoyed. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I well, think that, my... like, I see a lot of this culture around sort of tender uh, women, non-binary, queer friendships that are all about sort of sweetness and warmth and love. And I'm like, I think sometimes the greatest love you can give is um, being harsh and real and mean to people so they don't have to wonder what you're really thinking. Um, mm. And it makes it easier also to, to be close with people when you don't have to submerge feelings of aggression. You can just uh, vent them out as they happen. Definitely. Well, I think people like that about you. As my as my mom said, which I told you, she admired your candor Aww, <laughs> when she listened to the podcast. So. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, I think sometimes sometimes like. I guess I'll just I'll just say what I'm referring to when I when we were in the normal world when this was before corona 
I often felt that anytime I had a conversation, I only had like three things to say. And they were like, and they were like, I'm working on a play. I'm going to open mics. So I'm doing this. Like I, my, my life felt like it was really hard to have a conversation. I, I felt that even though I was like producing a lot and thinking a lot and, and doing a lot of cool stuff, I felt like I didn't have anything to talk about. Mm. Um, so that's surprising I, to me. Because I feel like you have such a full life because of those things that you do. And people like to hear other people seeming like they having thing, like they have things going on in their artistic lives. It, it could be, but unless people want to hear about the thing itself, I felt like I had like a really like low, like kind of shallow, like there's like a set of things I do and that's all I do. And if you don't want to hear about that stuff, then I have nothing to say to you. I think that's how I felt. But maybe it's really the problem is that you just like don't feel like talking in general. So, so little things that you could talk about seem unimportant because you just don't want to share them. Yeah. Yeah. That's just something that I experience more and more as I get older is like, I, I feel like when I was younger, I, all I wanted to do was like cut through the small talk and like get to like, let's talk about some real shit. Let's like talk about how we really feel about our parents and our relationships with them. And now I find that like, Somebody asks me, somebody I'm becoming friends with wants to hear about, like, tell me about your, you know, your oh. relationship with your dad or something. And I'm like, don't fucking ask me. Let's just talk about the weather and, and we're going to the beach. They're wanting, like, we like to go to Jacob Reese and uh, yeah, something like that. So. But when you ask about a, uh, a question about sharks in Patagonia, yeah. you get that shit shoved back down your throat. <laughs> you know, Sam, I was yeah. joking earlier. There might be sharks in Patagonia, by the way. <laughs> no, I think. I think there are. I think there probably are. No, I mean, yeah. I, 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 I get that. Sometimes, sometimes talking about something, if someone goes in and tries to like start too deep of a conversation, to and you don't your emotional data. Yeah, yeah then like that AI. feels shallow too. It's like, yeah. don't be a dumbass. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know you. Yeah, and also like one of my friends, Allie, if she's listening to this, told me that uh, she was like living in the Death Valley in Nevada, and she like was friends with this old like acid head guy who was like seventy, and he told her like the thing about doing psychedelics is like. When you're done calling, you got to hang up the phone, um, which is to say, you know, like discover whatever you want to discover. But then like when you're done, you're done. And I feel that way about talking about certain subjects where like I would have thought, like, I'm an open book about this. And it's like, maybe I'm not hiding anything, but I don't need to keep fucking going down the road explaining everything that's ever happened in my life to every new person that I meet. So there's lots of stuff I don't want to talk about. And I didn't used to feel that way. I was thinking about how this is something that happened that's been happening recently, I guess, just cause like political conversations come up. And even when I like in theory sort of agree with someone, I think that like talking about politics can sometimes be, um, like if a person isn't like exactly on your wavelength, it can feel weird. Mm -hmm. Um, when they say something like, um, I don't know. I mean, this is sort of this is like adjacent to what you're saying. It's not exactly what you're saying, but just how like certain certain topics, as soon as you feel like a little bit on a different page, you're like, oh, this isn't this isn't worth it. Yeah. And I've, and I've felt that a few, a few times recently with with friends and even over the weekend where like you're someone right. says something and it's like, oh, OK, like. I don't know, you just I yes. just kind of shut down. Yes, unless it feels like it's sort of a profound conversation of discovery about, like, some kind of subject I've talked about a bunch of times. I'm like, why would I bother doing this? Instead, it just feels like I'm just trotting out, like, these ways that I feel that I've already discussed, like, at length with my other friends. And, like, it's to no end. And it makes me feel the anxiety that we were talking about at the beginning. Like, this emptiness totally. of, like, why are we even communicating? Uh, we never, yeah. We're not going to discover anything here. I also think that a, a lot of people, when they bring up politics, what they're what their real aim to do is is to sort of litigate a fight that they had with someone else hmm. um, with you or to sort of explain a position that they've been mulling over to you. But it, but they're sort of arguing with someone else or they're arguing with like a an article that they've read. And oftentimes, like with po political conversations, I'm like, oh, no one leads with like questions or wonderings or like, what do you think about this thing? or this is undecided in my head, like help me think about it. It's, it's a lot of people sort of respond, talking and responding to people who aren't in the room. And I think that's kind of boring because <laughs> you're like, I don't really need to be here for you to like have an argument with me with about an imaginary Trump. person. Yeah, yeah. That's really about you wanting to argue with like your dad about Trump, mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's been an interesting thing. This like, uh, 
Paul that's come with the Black Lives Matter protest for like the real responsibility of white people right now is sort of one of them is to talk to your families and convince them um, that Black Lives Matter and that the police are racist and these different things that um, I've like started that conversation with my family. But I feel like I, I was talking to Alex about this and these Instagram posts that like tell you that you have to do this and how you should go about it don't seem to speak to my the nuance of my experience with my actual family and what it is actually like to talk to them or like how <laughs> one would ever go about convincing them of anything um and i don't know there's more that i could say about that uh, but I, I don't know if you guys feel that way or not felipe is like the number one convincer of his family um on political issues so yeah but it, it's but it's not it's not that i'm like it's not that i'm like breaking down a big marble uh wall it's mm. it's only because I think my mom's not doesn't think that much about politics um but my dad is like we're kind of on the same page about stuff so it actually takes me it actually takes me like a while before i get sometimes i'll like talk to him until i find something he disagrees with so that i can be mad at him but often huh. we're like generally on the same page about stuff um hmm. there we have had like more contentious times but i think i will say though that sometimes i'll feel like i'll be arguing with my dad and then i'll find myself like saying stuff that i'm like i don't know i read someone say this let me try it out and he'll like ask me a question i'll be like i don't know any more than that i just read someone say that like, <laughs> respond I, to this yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i'm like you might be right i just trust i trust this anonymous person on the internet who said this like more than yeah. you <laughs> um but yeah. uh, but there's been plenty of times when i've kind of decided not to go down some rabbit hole with a family member yeah, I feel like, I mean, because I'm not, I'm definitely not saying that it's, it's not worth doing. I think it's absolutely worth doing. Even if you were to not um, get anywhere with it, it would, it still is important enough um, to do. But I feel like with my family, it's like, and I think I've explained this to Felipe, they just don't really think of, I think, these political issues in the kind of conceptual framework in which, like, issues like structural racism have particular resonance. I don't know. They're just kind of like, I feel like the answer I'm getting to what I would say would just be like, what are you, what are you talking about? What are, what are you talking about? Like, um, even to try to explain to my dad, like, why we were not doing the Raising Man podcast for a couple of weeks, I feel like his response was kind of like, someone told you you weren't allowed to do it? Or like, why can't you do it? Mm. And I was like, um, because of a certain ethical prerogative that I operate under as a, an individual who's part of a larger community. Like, mm. just these different things that he was just like... So, you're allowed to do it if you want to, and you didn't want to do it, and now you don't know whether you should do it because you don't know if you want to do it. And I was like, never mind, let's just fucking not, not talk, even talk mm. about it on this even level. And this is such a small part of it is like deciding whether or not to do our podcast. So I do think I do think there are certain assumptions that once you like once you figure out that a person is operating under them, it's like I remember arguing with like a, a family, actually like a a friend's family member once, and it, for instance. I think if a person is like a real believer in meritocracy and like they 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 don't like that's they don't question that as like a thing that's real um as as like a force that works in their life they're just like yeah of course you know you work you make this money you you have the right to do with it what you want and like that's a really like foundational uh it's really hard to fight against that and you can find like different entry points but I mean, I think with like the, the prison stuff, it's like there are people who, you know, who like are like, if you go to jail, it's because you did something bad. And it's really hard yes, to shake right. someone out of it takes it takes a lot of talking to shake someone out of that because it's it's like it's part of a network of like a lot of beliefs that that mm -hmm. are really hard to shake someone out of if they like really mm -hmm. live totally. And I think it's a belief in that there's like good and evil and there's good people and bad people and that we have a human free will to be operating sort of within a biblical moral landscape where we can either choose mm. to be with God or choose to be against him. You know, it's like so fundamental to what I think some people believe that you're like, gosh, I truly do not know where to begin to explain uh, all of the cops not existing anymore. You know, it's like such mm. a far flung idea for some people who still don't, um, look at the fact that like black people are incarcerated at just like a totally absurd rate compared to other people and think, Hmm, this raises questions, you know? So. Yeah. Well, my, my friend Matt described to me this story once where he had this, like this journalist friend and he started, this journalist started getting into an argument with someone at a bar. And like the way this journalist friend decided to argue with this person was not to sort of assert points, but to ask the other person questions to be like, well, what do you like? 
they're like, oh, so-and-so police should just be in, like, these bad neighborhoods. And he was like, well, what what exactly is, like, a bad neighborhood? And then they would explain what they thought a bad neighborhood was. And then, and then like, and then they'd be like, well, you know, what what do you think, like, wh- why do you think, like, all the black people live in the bad, bad neighborhood? You know, and, and he was sort of, like, through question asking in a kind of, like, sort of Taoist way, sort of, like, lead a person into an unsafe area of argumentation and they would sort of admit to their own sort of like racism and bias beliefs and stuff um and i thought that was like an interesting form of argumentation that maybe yes maybe worth employing and then as a second point to this whole thing is i think part of me kind of enjoys taking my beliefs or taking any sort of like complex idea and sort of stripping up stripping it of its fancy language and trying to explain it to someone in the simplest possible terms i think it's like kind of a fun exercise the sort of provocal um excuse me the proverbial like sort of grandma test like can you explain this to your grandma in five minutes kind of thing and i i guess i just think that's kind of fun and it's a fun way to sort of like better explain and 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 sharpen your own beliefs which is why i think like the contrapoints lady is is so good because she's she's really good at doing that is like sort of explaining things like racism and in really plain terms well the one the one thing the one thing that sort of that i've never or i i'm unsure about this idea of like you have to talk to your family members i think first of all that story you described sam i think is interesting and i and it's an idea I've heard before, right? Like, just ask questions, like, don't be combative and, and actually sort of, like, lead someone into the conclusion you want to lead them to. That being said, I think there's a lot of research into, like, it's almost impossible to convince someone uh, to against something that they already believe. Generally, like, people leave arguments feeling like they believe the thing they believed at first more um sometimes there are people who are like open to certain things for some reason that you can't predict maybe there's like like a button in them that has you know that that you can like exploit but it's really hard to know especially with strangers so that's one thing that i'm like i'm i'm skeptical of the idea that you can like straight up convince someone mm-hmm. i think especially with family members where like the thing you're talking about is not the thing you're talking about if that makes sense like you're talking about politics but really what's taking place is like a fight about your relationship or a fight about mistrust or like a a fight about whether you as the kid should like um have you know be more right than the parent like and all those things like you can't get around them and in fact you end up being precisely the worst person to argue with your parents whereas like you know sometimes it's like your parents will hear things from their own peers the way that we do as well because like Sometimes I'll be arguing with my dad and he'll like be convincing me of something. And I think back to the imaginary, you know, internet community. And I think I need to go back home with a W, you know, like I can't, like, I need to believe in this thing because people in my community believe in this thing. And so it's like, that has nothing to do with the, with the point he's making. And it has everything to do with like who I believe I'm accountable for, or accountable to, or, or who I'm afraid of letting down. So that's a th- second thing. And then the third thing is that like, I don't know. There's like this other way of thinking about politics where it's like, it's like a fight. Like you're trying to win. You're not, you don't have to convince anybody of anything. Like, you know, it's like, you just, you just like push until you get the thing. And then, and then it's actually making the change that makes people change their mind. Once, once the new world, once you like achieve the new world, then people are the new world. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it opens up people's imagination to be like, Oh, this was always good. And people, people generally like want to think that they think that the thing they're already doing is good. And you actually change the, you change the thing they're doing. And then they're like, well, now this new thing is good. Totally. Totally. So think of my parents who are always, their preoccupation with picking a movie is always to watch whatever is the popular movie that everybody's watching. So if the popular movie is Moonlight, they'll watch Moonlight. Popular movies, Call Me By Your Name, they'll watch Call Me By Your Name. Yeah. So sometimes I think, sometimes I think that the, like, the, the, the kind of mandate to like convince your parents of anything Maybe it works. I guess you know your family best and you know if you're going to convince them of anything. And I think it's it's also important to feel like you're on the same page with your parents. It can be really like alienating to feel like, oh, we believe such different things. This sucks. This makes me feel bad. But but I, I'm not convinced of its sort of like political use because I 
I think there's probably a use to, like, I don't know, just having people be awash in these ideas to normalize them. Like, when you're trying to do something that is considered radical or far left, like, they just need to keep hearing the idea that it's possible for the police to be abolished. So, like, they hear you say it, and then later they hear Al Roker say it, because my parents on the Today Show. Uh, Maybe at that point it would... They wouldn't think of themselves as like, oh, Sarah convinced me, and then I, this really solidified it. It would just suddenly be like, oh, yeah, I think that, too. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. right about that. Yeah, people people just need to hear something like four times from four different places to be like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's what everyone's talking about. Viral winter, yeah. Yeah, viral winter. <laughs> We're heading into the viral winter. <laughs> yeah, no, I guess, yeah, I, I go back and forth. There are, like, ways where it's, like, great to talk with good. your family. Yeah, I think um, it makes me think of, like, a lot of my family is Southern, and I think my grandparents, who are 85, who I'm almost like, do I really have to call them and talk to them about this, or can I just, like, know that they'll be dead soon, or, like, what's what do I have to do? Um, for them, like, for me to call and want to talk about um, any kind of Marxist structural, theoretical uh, views of, like, how society works writ large and how capitalism underwrites racism, like, just to use any of that language to them is to evoke a type of liberal right. East Coast intelligentsia elitism that lost. they would just be like, don't fucking, we don't believe in the words you're saying to right. talk about an idea. That is not mm. life as we know it. So, mm. I mean, that speaks to what Sam was saying, which is like, you say things in a simple way instead of saying the, the words that are going to provoke yeah. that. Well, I think, yeah. I think for like Bernie and was, that- I think Bernie was really good at putting all of those ideas into like the American language, the language of like meritocracy almost, you know, it's like, hardworking Americans, like the 1% take, you know what I mean? Like he, he was able to, I think he developed that language over a long period of time, but he was good at it. And also I think that, that changing one's mind is also like a a very like vulnerable place to be in and to have an open mind is, is, is to have a vulnerable mind, which is why, like, I think watching YouTube videos or reading essays about the thing is like a really effective way that it seems to me that a lot of people actually do end up changing their mind and forming their opinions rather than like in dialogue with someone else where it's true. Yeah. All the, all the defenses are up. Totally. Yeah. I'll say one other funny thing about this is that my mom has been visiting her parents in Louisiana over the last two weeks. And, uh, she and my aunt and I are in our own little group chat. And, um, just as it's been the prerogative of like millennials to talk to their boomer parents, I guess it's the prerogative of boomers to talk to their greatest generation parents because my mom's been trying to convince my grandpa that like Juneteenth being a holiday is a wonderful thing. And, um, like, she's just been, like, looking for backup from, like, me and my aunt, like, all week long, being like, and then granddaddy said this, and then he said this, and then I told him this, and I was just like, damn. And then I'm here in another group chat with my brother being like, and then mom said, and then mom said, yeah. <laughs> so, everybody's so, fighting so the Juneteenth, So the Juneteenth thing is, like, the decanted, it's, like, the safe, the safe remains of, like, the more radical asks that your yes. mom is like, I can get down with. Juneteenth. Yes, my mom's down for the Juneteenth thing. She's like, of course, a holiday to celebrate liberation. Who could, who would be against a holiday? You know, very. Um, she thinks that that's great, and my grandpa doesn't like it. Yeah, I mean, you can tell from talking to your parents like what they're saying on MSNBC. <laughs> I feel yes. like that's what I. I'm like, okay, the Rachel Maddow was talking about it, or like whoever. Um, damn, I was with I was with my parents. Maybe I said this on the last episode, but. It's just funny to, like, see the different, like, political worlds that... They were talking about William Barr. Who the fuck is yeah. that? What did he do? <laughs> Who knows? Who cares? Um, but, yeah, they were, they were just, like, all up on this... On this stuff that I have no clue about. <laughs> mm. Interesting. Meanwhile, I'm trying to explain to them the the internecine uh, conflicts of between activist groups in New York City. <laughs> the different Twitter wars that the are happening. The non-profit industrial complex yeah. and the, the complicity of Trying abolitionist t- orgs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, can you imagine? God, if I called my parents to try to talk to them about that level of stuff. My mom, if I think I've said this maybe on the podcast even before, but if I was talking about something that my mom doesn't want to talk about like that, she just says, pass. Um. <laughs> it's the move. Yeah. I will say too, though, that like, not i think there is a tendency to be like well if people are talking about it on the internet it's important and i found that like a lot of the things that i was like ride or die for when i was in college now i'm like damn that was that was stupid and sometimes you it's by talking to my dad and him sort of like pulling at the thread that i'm like oh maybe this isn't that important (laughs) or like Mm -hmm. um like can you think of a specific example i'm trying to think 
I'll say one in the meantime if you need a second to think. Um, it's not an example of that, but just something that I think is funny. I remember remember in high school when you take like national, state, local government, like every unit you have to start with like breaking out into small groups and writing a group definition for like what is freedom, what is liberty versus security, and like defining all these terms that you're just like, this is such bullshit. Like I know what this is. I always thought those questions were so uninteresting, but now as an actual adult person, I'm like, well, I have no idea what freedom is. Like we should define that. What does that look like? Like, mm. yeah, all this stuff that I thought was just like so ridiculous. But I guess because when you're young, you're only just like learning to see the world as it even actually exists, much less to be able to be like, oh, is there anything else that's possible besides like reality? Exactly, exactly as I'm learning to perceive it. Yeah. Are you trying to? Are yeah, you trying the to? Big sh- questions become relevant again. I'm yeah. I'm laughing. I'm laughing thinking about Felipe sort of providing the opposite service for his parents, where he's like, Dad, who is William Barr? And his dad's like. <laughs> damn you're right I, I don't know i guess i guess that doesn't matter believe <laughs> being like what does the federal reserve do and, and is that being like no idea no idea you're right i guess we should care about what happened to gia and tolentino instead yeah totally <laughs> i guess i i was gonna say i mean there are some things i could think about but there wouldn't be so interesting to talk about but i guess i guess one thing that i do um see is like the the pace of my changing opinion right based on like what i'm reading on the internet and one example would be like people who aren't wearing masks like tar and feather them like up against the wall and then it's like or whatever you know people who want to reopen like they're bad people and then next week it's like well you know it's actually the government that's like blah 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 masks are bad masks are good like one week you're mm-hmm. like masks don't work and then it's like if we wore 100 percent masks we could start We'd be like hong kong yeah. yeah we could be like water we should be protesters like water yeah be like water <laughs> and like and i'll and i'll come back to my dad with these different things and he reflects back to me like the speed at which these opinions change because Cause he's on like a, maybe like a sort of slower, um, like opinion cycle, a slower cycle of, mm. of consent manufacture. Yeah. And, the cable timeline. Yeah, yeah. And so he's like, we should get off the gold standard. <laughs> um, as like a stupid example, I think that like, uh, this is, this is like not dumb, but like, I don't, I don't want it to sound like whatever, who cares? When I was in college, I, my dad was like more of like, uh, I'm going to let that, that, cop car go by should i just talk during the cop car i'll talk during the cop car yeah dude (laughs) this is our reality it's true cops are everywhere um i was like all about my dad was more like um materialist like oh like class determines like life outcomes and and I was like more, I guess, identitarian or whatever and i was like no like but race blah 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 and now i've sort of like flipped a little more um and i come back to him oh, yeah i've come back to him with that stuff and he's like he's like we were arguing about this when you were like 19 or 20 and you were like all against this and i'm like yeah i guess i changed my mind but like mm-hmm. i got really mad at him mm-hmm. for it um mm, for pointing that out yeah or, no no no. i didn't get mad at him i got mad at him oh, when, I was, younger, when I was younger when i was younger for his, for his foolishness but um yes then it's like mm-hmm. oh I, these things are like not as stable as I thought, as I think at each moment. At each moment, they're like, this is the be all end all, and it's kind of not. Hmm. Hmm. I have to pee. Go pee, friend. Um, I don't like uh, being kind of uninspired when, like, um, lessons taken or like politics taken from the black lives matter movement as it's happening uh now are like brought into the comedy world and they are just like these really uninspired visions for like how we can improve comedy that i'm just like like what that's not it like yeah i don't think we talked about this one um there's a tweet i don't want to criticize anybody calling for action but i just like saw this and was like that's not really anti-capitalist uh, a tweet calling for like white people not to submit packets to saturday night live oh i saw that yeah this year and i was just like fuck saturday night live why can't we just say fuck saturday night live like that is the worst fucking show like what a fucking rotten institution from the inside out like can't we just let go of the Saturday Night Live thing. Like, and the idea of just sort of pinning your radical politics around like the Saturday Night Live audition process is just like so depressing to me. But at the same time, like, and I'm always talking about this, like the, those is the world that we want to live in, the world that we do live in, the world we do live in has Saturday Night Live. People want to have jobs. It would be better if less white people dominated that 
show that everyone watches. Um, but I would rather us aspire to the not giving a fuck about Saturday Night Live and not having wonderful comedians who I think are very talented going to work there. And I'm just like, damn, I wish your energies were going to making something I would ever want to watch um, because I respect you and I don't respect Lauren Michaels. Yeah, I mean, it sounds, it sounds like... I guess I feel I feel that it's it's like a frivolous ask or not frivolous, but I, I do think it's like a kind of it's like not a it's not a political solution really. Like a calling calling yeah. on people calling on people to like exercise restraint in this in in a way that they understand. We're talking about that tweet that was like white people shouldn't apply to Saturday Night Live. Did you see that, Sam? No. It just it called on white people not to submit packets or audition for Saturday Night Live this year, so that this they would be forced to hire only people of color. Um, I mm. I think it also puts the onus on the least powerful people, which are like white artist comedians who don't have paying comedy jobs, who are just looking to be able to quit their forty hour work weeks doing stuff and finally like get paid to do something. Like why should it really fall on them? But at the same time, it's like because we can all do something from our position, and also they're not always the least powerful people. There's a lot of rich white people who don't need that job, so yeah. But I guess I guess it, but. I guess I just think like it's not, and I, I think this about a lot of sort of, um, I think people see systemic problems and everybody wants to do something, and often people like have their like small worlds that they kind of inhabit and they think well i'm gonna like address these problems at the scale of my world and i i often think those things are like at best sort of patches and at worst mm. like just like not not efficacious or like don't do anything and if you like look at stuff materially it's, i i just don't i'm not convinced that like a solution where people have to like exercise restraint um because like all think, all all think global act local <sighs> Yeah, I, I mean, are you are you trolling or what do you mean by that? <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of trolling. Yeah. <laughs> you want to say more about that, Sam? What? What's? Yeah, you got to act local, bro. Ah. <laughs> you got to throw away your your seventy cans of Diet Pepsi that you drink into the recycling. It goes in recycling. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. I guess all I'm saying is I just want people when they come up with their solutions that it be the full full anti-capitalist version of like what it could possibly be but uh maybe i'm being like a purity testing ideological like um person setting people up for failure by expecting that no i mean i think it's true that you can't like you can't answer everything with like well is you know if you don't it's about capitalism or exist. nothing yeah but yeah. but i don't know i i do think i do think there is such a thing as like putting energy into things that are not that don't that are like misguided and it, it can have the effect of like draining energy from people or making people like just lose energy on stuff that's like not really doing anything and then think that that's where their political energy has gone and then they're drained and it's like that didn't do anything like i i think there's like a lot of steps that happen before the the application process that are like the real important ones like whether or not there's public education for people to like get you know to be able to like write for a long time and get good at writing or whether or not it's like easy to live in a city like new york where you do comedy every night or whether or not it's easy totally. to like even have an artistic practice like all those all those things happen like long before the application process and just having people like exercise restraint i don't know i just i don't even think it's possible like everybody would have to see that tweet <laughs> maybe like every single person who yeah. would apply to and agree with it and um i don't know it kind of it kind of runs it would be like really swimming upstream and i'm not sure that and i feel that way a lot about a lot of a lot of ways that i think people try to like apply social justice thinking comedy world damn it's so fucking hot where i am but I have my window closed because I know that Felipe cares about the sound quality being good. Oh no, you should open your window. I, you should open your window if that's really bothering you. It's not fine. It's totally fine. Fine. Yeah. Wow. Oh. No. Yeah. I hope. No. Be comfortable. Be comfortable, Sarah. I had no idea you felt that way. I thought you guys cared about me being comfortable. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, I think that, I think that. Well, put on a sweater. <laughs> Put on an itchy sweater. I think the mic being closer to your mouth is more important than the window being open. Fine, but I'm not moving the mic any closer. Okay, so I guess <laughs> we're, yeah, we're, we're just where we started. Bridge too far. 
see, see, Felipe, you try and act in, in the tiny little world that you're in, and it ultimately makes you tired. Yeah, you know? yeah I'm drained. Do you guys want to, we got, we've done an hour. Do you guys want to do an hour and a half or do we feel like we might be, we might be cashed? We could be done doing it. I, I feel the same. I'm fine either way. I'm fine either way. Well, what are you guys going to do after this? Um, just kind of record the like 15, 20 minutes that I would have recorded on the podcast. <laughs> like, say, say all the jokes I've been holding back on, you yeah, know? Yeah, <laughs> sure. I, um, I have to finish applying for, for my unemployment and I'm nervous because mm. I really want to get it on the first shot and I just want them to send me the fucking money. I don't want to be jerked around. Well, so. aren't you, doesn't it take like a couple weeks to find out? Yeah. yeah. I just applied for mine. For the PUA, Pandemic Unemployment Assistance. Pickup artist. What Pick are artist some program? of the typical? What are some of the typical pitfalls? I have no idea. They just try to fuck you, however they can. <laughs> so you just the, have to build a, a strong yeah. defense. There, there's a part in the yeah. unemployment application that says, "What would you buy with this?" And if you write uh, a Cadillac, they they turn it down immediately. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. You have to check a box promising that you would go back to work if you could. Which I don't feel. I, I'm going to try to not work again. <laughs> it's such a funny, like, honor system. They just yeah. have to take your word for it that you could. Yeah. There was one question I had to go, I had to go back in and they, and they had the questions like, at any point did you turn down work? No. And then one of the questions was like horribly worded. It was like, at any point this week, have you not been ready, willing, and able to work? <laughs> Think about that for a second. Have you not? At any point this week, have you not been ready? Yes, of course. I've, there's all every week. There's points in which I'm not ready or willing to work. But it's also yeah. like it's also like we just the wording is weird. I have yeah. yes, I have not been ready. I was on Monday. I was not <laughs> ready to. <laughs> when I when all I did, right. I'll say one last thing and funny questions that you get asked. When uh, and I I was never able to write a joke about this, but when I did the citizenship application they had a question on it that said um are you or have you ever been a habitual drunkard <laughs> that was a question that they had on the questionnaire it's funny <laughs> have you ever been the town the town drunkard <laughs> <laughs> woken up in the town square with a dunce cap on your head and little children poking you with a stick or have you ever been a trifling fool <laughs> <laughs> all right i think we're good to go well, i think we got yeah. the thoughts out all right guys see you next time raisin man arena